The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. When life hands you a unique shift, what happens next? The gift is the shift. Welcome to The Sky's the Limit with your host, Karen Levitt. In our program, you will hear from people who have discovered the gift, whether through personal experience or those that are helping others through this experience. You'll find the next hour to be a motivating and encouraging one. Now, here is Karen Levitt. Hi, good afternoon. Thank you. This is Karen Levitt, and today I have the pleasure to be joined with Michael Mirdad. Michael is a renowned, world-renowned spiritual teacher, leader, and author. He is an author of the of the best-selling books, You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up, Creating Fulfilling Relationships, The Seven Initiations on the Spiritual Path, and Healing the Heart and Soul. He has also been the spiritual leader at Unity of Sedona for nearly five years. For over 30 years, Michael has transformed the lives of thousands of clients and facilitated thousands of classes, lectures, and workshops throughout the world on mastery, spirituality, relationships, and healing, and is rightly noted by many. Authors has a teacher's teacher and a healer's healer. It's my great privilege to welcome Michael to the show. Hi there. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. So I would like to begin by talking um, to you with your book, You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up. And in the book, which is a great book, you talk about the five stages of the soul transformation process. You talk about taking an active part in one's spiritual development, which is kind of big. And I'd like to ask, why is this, ne- why is this necessary? Well, you know, to be honest, it's, it's almost like it should be a high school class, you know. Um, these, are, these are the things of life. You know, mm-hmm. folks are getting out of school learning how to do math and whatnot, but they don't know how to deal with the, the changes of life. And, 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 you know, changes are with us all the time whether it's um, death or loss of some other kind or a change of a job or change of a household, change of a partnership. Changes are with us, and people don't realize that it's, it's not just um, what people think of as an unfortunate shift in life. It's, it's a part of our initiation. You know, that's why my first book was all about life's initiations and, and called, you know, the seven initiations on the spiritual path because, you know, that's what life is. It's just constantly filled with initiations and folks really need to come to you know to understand that there's a method to the madness that's why the other book was you're not going crazy you're just waking up because so many people were saying to me god you know you wrote the first book the seven initiations book and that's subtitled understanding the purpose to life's test because i was trying Mm -hmm. to make a point that this is all you know there's an intelligence to this there's you know there's actually a process you know Mm -hmm. so a method to the madness you know so um, when I'm writing, you're not going crazy, you're just waking up. It's because so many people related to the first book and said, so you're, Michael, you're telling us that there's this thing called the dark night of the soul. We didn't know about that. We didn't know what it is or what we're supposed to do about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you elaborate? And so I decided not only to write about 
the dark night of the soul, which is, again, it's any changes in our life, but definitely when we're going through a lot of stuff simultaneously, um, mm-hmm. the point is to say, not only does it exist, you know, don't brush it off, don't think you're just going crazy, don't think you're just, you know, having a hard luck period, or that the universe is out to get you. Try to understand that there's a method to the madness, and that this is um, not only important and somehow relevant to your test in life, but to it, which is, there are steps. You know, mm-hmm. this, there are stages, the predictable stages, which are, for now I'll just say, you know, dismantling, which means some change in your life, emptiness, which means the, the hangover after some changes, like the hangover meaning the, the, the depression or feelings of loss afterwards, where you feel like, you know, you're just dead. And the third mm-hmm. stage is disorientation, which is a period you go through where you just don't even know what ends up anymore. I mean, I thought I was a mom, now my child died, what am I now? I thought I was a dad, but, uh, you know, now my kids have grown up and gone to college, so what am I? I thought I was a CEO, but I lost my job. All those things, you know, I thought I was this, but now what? That's mm-hmm. disorientation. And so, um, just brief, briefly say to the next one's refilling and rebuilding a new life with God. So we'll go into it more deeply, I guess, as we have time. Oh, absolutely. So I want to ask, so I, I can say through my own experience, which, you know, God knows how that happened, but... I, I definitely went through a dark night of the soul, and I want to ask if you have to go through, if you will, a, a dismantling like that. I had a you know a severe life event happen. I, can the dark night of the soul manifest without that happening? Can it show up in other people's lives without you know like a tragic traumatic <laughs> event? Boy, that's a, a loaded question. You know, everybody would want to think, you know, well, couldn't have done this differently? Well, the truth is. All the, the tests that we go through in life, all the changes we go through in life, can be done the easy way or the hard way. And almost always, human beings choose the hard way. It's not like they just consci- con- consciously choose the hard way. They don't just say, well, I know that this could be done easier, but I think I'd like to go through hell right now, you know. But we, we do choose. It is, a, it is a choice, and we typically choose the hard way. And this is the tricky wording here, because somebody will say, well, I didn't choose the hard way. Well, you did when you, when you didn't take the easy way. And somebody will say, well, I didn't know that there was an easy way. Well, you do. For example, I know somebody that I talked to, you know, a dear person uh, that I talked to recently who said, well, God, you know, I remember, Michael, I remember calling you and saying, I'm on my way to Vegas to get married. And you said, <laughs> you said, um, I don't advise it. You know, the, the, doing a reading on this person, I said, I can just tell that this relationship really isn't their, their soulmate. It's not really, really a good, healthy relationship. And they just thought to themselves, God, you know, here I'm calling Michael, and he's, you know, he's, he's in the role of like a counselor, a, a healer, an advisor. It's almost like he's an authority figure. And the last thing I want to do is listen to authority figures, and they remember consciously thinking that, that they purposely were going to rebel from my advice. I mean, I'm just, I'm just what I am. I'm not like their dad or something, per se, but, you know, here I am just being a counselor in that role. And they, they, they went out of their way to say, well, heck with that, and they went. And then they got a ticket on the way to Vegas, and then they got to Vegas, had an upset stomach beforehand, and they still tied the knot. A year later, they were divorced, and during the year they were married, there was uh, running from the law, because this person they married was 
wanted. <laughs> they didn't know. Um, oh. And so all these things. And so how could we say that that person didn't choose the hard way? When they had mm-hmm. options to choose the easy way, they didn't take them. So th- technically they chose the hard way. I see. You know, and Edgar Casey says, by the way, we dream every major event is dreamt first. Before it happens, we, it always passes through our subconscious. And, and we, we, if we knew to watch our dreams and how to interpret them, we would know more consciously what, what, what's happening in our lives. But human beings have the tendency, propensity, to be so irresponsible. They want to be victims, you know. And So even though God, psychic... Talk about the conversation around the water cooler, right? It's never right, positive. Right, Synchronicities, all kinds of things have told them, do this or don't do that. But they don't listen. They get themselves into trouble, and then they say, golly, you know, gosh, God, why did you do this? Why did you let me marry this person? Why didn't you warn me about this financial investment? You know, and God's just, <laughs> you know, you imagine God just rolling his, its eyes saying, oh, my God, you know, oh, my me. Um, mm-hmm. These folks blame everything on me, and I try to tell them, you know. So we have to all really work on, you know, our spiritual path is not supposed to be one of superstition that's just kind of trying to be airy-fairy or new age. This is supposed to be a practical um, spiritual growth path wherein we... Mm-hmm. You know, we're checking in, we, we have a relationship with ourselves, we know what works for us and what doesn't work for us, and we, you know, proceed accordingly. Mm-hmm. You talk about a spiritual path, so is that different than a religious path? Because I don't know, if, you know, to clarify for some of the listeners, so spiritual path, religious path, people may not even know the difference. And there is a well, difference? Religion, <clears throat> religion has to do with traditional religions. Oh, it has to do with tradition, it has to do with dogma, uh, certain rules, certain dogmas, certain, you know, um, procedures within that system, whatever it is, Mormonism, Islam, Catholicism, whatever. Um, so that's, you know, tradition, mm-hmm. uh, religions typically have a tradition, a dogma, rules, some sort of leader of, of some kind. Um, religion also, you know, there's a saying, religion is for those who fear hell, and spirituality mm-hmm. is for those who have been there. So spirituality is really in your own heart. You can be religious and be spiritual, but definitely mm-hmm. spiritual is saying, you know, I'm not just following um, some religious leader or their doctrine. I have a relationship with God, and it's inside myself. And I can still go to this church or that church, Baptist, Mormon, whatever, or some temple, Jewish temple, whatever it happens to be. But if all I do is follow the rules, and if all I do is bow when they say bow, and stand when they say stand, and don't eat this on this day, and eat that on that day, that's fine, but I'm just, really, I'm just a religious practitioner, which is fine. <clears throat> you know, people just kind of following the rules, just like you wrote within solid lines and dotted lines when you learn how to write, you know, in, in uh, elementary school. But there's a point where that so-called religious path becomes personalized. You know, all of a sudden, you're it's not you're being told what to do, it's you feel it. And it's not mm-hmm. that you break free of rules and become rebellious. You just you just feel it and you know what's right and you you know, you can tell that it's you know, it's time to experience God. You know I'm gonna pray now, I'm gonna meditate now, you gotta do some forgiveness work now. You know, it becomes what you're guided to do rather than what you're told to do. Okay. Excellent. So that makes sense. I mean, you know, I grew up in a no in religion and it never really connected for me and through this event that has really changed my world and actually it opened my eyes and it was amazing and I felt 
as if my heart opened and it was really hard to explain to oh western medicine practitioners because they they just didn't get it right and uh yeah and here i am well really um that's what religion is is it's a it's a it's a uh, religious or spiritual version of medicine and medicine is just a a biological version of religion it's it's just a clinical version of you know, and same with psychotherapy based on psychiatry, all the things that are the most licensed, the most powerful, the things that run the world from AMA to FDA to, you know, this religion or that religion, these things are very powerful and they're really more institutions than they are spiritual experiences. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're, um, you know, they're all about, um, you know, the, the finances and the power and all that. And I know some of them are probably meaning well. It's just that, God, you, you know, it's so easy to get caught. All of us, if in your household the way you raise your kids is nothing but cold rules, it's good to have rules. They're called boundaries. But rules that, that are not heart-centered are just called rules. And mm-hmm. that's very analytical. It's very cold. It's, very, it's, it's hyper-masculine. And then, of course, the other extreme isn't helpful, where you have no boundaries in your household with your kids or with even yourself or your partner, because that's when people just are, uh, you know, just breaking free and doing whatever they want and causing harm to one another. It's very irresponsible. But when we have boundaries, it is rules, but it's rules that are centered in our heart. So we just kind of feel guided to know what's right for us, and we know how to communicate that. You know, we don't, mm-hmm. we don't just do whatever we want and then dump it on people and say, oh, well, that's my boundary. It's, you know, it's pretty sweet, sweet. It's pretty healthy. So we all need to learn that, that the spiritual path is when we're choosing to connect with God at a deeper level, but live it within our own selves and within our own lives with other people. So it's really, if you had to say it's religion, it's, it's, it's applied religion. I just, you know, did a talk recently on the 12 step program and I openly shared that if I ever had to follow a particular tradition because I don't, I just follow God and then that brings me to every religion and tradition I, you know, I really respect everybody's belief systems, I think they're beautiful I, I would never honor anything that's hurtful religious or otherwise but I do, you know, I do um, honor that there are very sincere Catholics, very con- sincere Muslims very sincere Jews and so on, and so pagans, Wiccans you know, I think it's all just fantastic personally but I shared that if I ever had to follow a path, other than maybe A Course in Miracles, if I had to follow any path, it would be the 12-step program. And it's not because I'm in the program and I'm in recovery, per se, but I do believe all of us should be in recovery because everybody's got an issue or addiction of some kind, even, even being addicted to planet Earth. You know, you have codependent. So it's mm-hmm. worth doing the 12-step program as a spiritual program. You know, mm-hmm. it's just about, you know, egos anonymous instead of alcohol anonymous. <laughs> you know, so we, we all need that cleansing. We all need that healing. And, and that's another thing is back to the dark night of the soul. It would behoove us to all recognize that when we go through changes, or especially heavy stuff like the dark night of the soul, when we go through that, it's, it's our soul's way. It's not God, like, putting the thumb screws on us. It's, it's our soul's way of saying, you know what, we need to do a house cleaning We've done okay with this area and that area, but there are some areas we haven't done so well with. Some areas we're being negligent, like, you know, we're not being honest enough with our partner. We're not being honest enough with ourselves. We haven't been taking care of our health or whatever. Any areas that are a bit neglected, next thing you know, the soul 
brings all those things up simultaneously and then adds some and brings us out. It puts us through the ringer and makes us learn. You know, sometimes it's going to be the hard way. You know, often it is. But it's going to make us learn how to heal or work on those issues. So, you know, even mm-hmm. if you think you're on the spiritual path, gosh, you know, I've been reading A Course in Miracles for five years, or I've been meditating for 10 years, or I'm doing yoga for 20 years, whatever you think you're doing, there's still stuff you're neg- neglecting and you don't even realize it. You know, you could mm-hmm. be doing yoga, but you're not communicating enough with your partner. You could be communicating with your partner, but not being, um, not honoring your creativity or your artistic skills that should be mm-hmm. nurtured. Or you could be doing that, neglecting something else. But there's pieces that we neglect, and we usually are too close to see it. And so the soul, <laughs> the soul basically takes out a magnifying glass, puts it, you know, over us, and looks in the has us look in the mirror called the world, and uh, sees it blow up. You know, mm-hmm. and we, we, it's really, it's really painful. The, I want to say, you know, the dark night of the soul is the absolute worst experience you can have on earth. I would never wish it upon anybody. But there is no human experience you can have that will bring more to you, that will teach you more. Mm-hmm. You know, such a paradox, because it's so oh, horrific in so many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, the, book, the book of Revelation, a lot of people don't realize, the book of Revelation is about your transformation from human into light beings or spirit. You know, it's, a, it's about transformation. It, it's all creepy and all that, according to Christians, but... This, this, the, the book of Revelation is all that way. The reason it's got this horror story kind of effect to it, it's got creatures and locusts and all this horrible stuff, it's because it's describing the death of your ego. So it's, uh, that's the, 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 the title means the apocalypse, mm-hmm. the, which means, from translation from Greek, it means to reveal, which is why we call it the Revelation. It's when God is revealed to us again. So everyone listening to your show is if not now, going to go through their own personal revelation when they decide to transform in a big way. It doesn't have to be completely yet, but when they have a dark night of the soul, they're supposed to come out on the other end more Christed or more like an ascended master, more like a light being. But most people that go through the dark night of the soul only think of it as a terrible time in their life. They didn't learn anything from it because they're not spiritual. They're not interested. They don't even know about any of this. So mm-hmm. people listening to your show could go, you know, some of them are going to know and some of them aren't going to know about this, but either way they can say, wow, you know, I get it. This is about awakening. This dark period, when I went through that dark period 20 years ago, or this year, or next year, whenever it is, this mm-hmm. is about awakening. And so the Bible, the, the book of Revelation says, when you're going through this, you will pray for death, and death will not come. And that's how bad the, the dark night of the soul could feel that literally it could make you pray for death because it's so bad. You know, you lose mm-hmm. your partner, you lose mm-hmm. your child, this happens, you lose your job, that happens, and so on. It's just like how much could go wrong at once is the way we often look at it when we're going through that. But at the end of the day, we're supposed to be holding our own, staying as centered as possible, try to be faithful, which is what that's about in the Bible that says though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That means, though I'm going through the dark night of the soul, I will not fear this, because God is with me. So even when you go through it, do your best to stay centered. Do your best to stay stay sane. Do your best to act appropriately. Keep your integrity, and so on and so on. And you'll find it on the other side of it, and try to learn everything you can from the experience. And when you Mm -hmm. come out the other side, 
you find, oh my God, nothing could have taught me more. You know, it's, I just feel like I'm, I'm breathing again. And now my breath is greater. I have more insights than I've ever had. I don't know where all this is coming from. All of a sudden I have more vitality. It's because you're coming out the other side. And the more properly you handle yourself in the dark night, the, moment. the more you're going to feel awakened when you come out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all, on that note, Michael, we have to take a break. I'm sorry. We have to, we have to get ready to yeah. take a quick break. And then we'll be right yeah. back. And we can pick this up. I would love to. So stay tuned. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com At the leading edge of quantum science, a revolution of ideas is emerging that challenges everything we believe about the nature of our world and how we define ourselves within it. Quantum Connection, exploring health, science, and spirit with Marina Rose QDNA, explores these cutting-edge breakthroughs in quantum science and offers piercing, probing, colorful, insightful dialogue and commentary with some of the world's most influential thought leaders on the most important topics of our time. Listen every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Are you looking for life's answers? How about the meaning of true self? Can you really be a better person overnight? Well, good luck with that. Now, if you want to know more about this insane world and life we lead, tune in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. You'll learn about how the brain operates under different psychological conditions, some common sense. Heck, you might just actually learn something. Listen Fridays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Empowerment. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, welcome back. And I was speaking with Michael Murdad and we were talking about the dark night of the soul. And Michael, if you want to pick up where we left off, that would be great because I know I would love to know more of what you were saying. So if you'd continue, that'd be awesome. Well, I would only encourage folks to recognize that when you're going through change, there's a purpose to it. There really is. There's a purpose to it. It's some part of us needs further awakening. And so every day, everything we go through, particularly any kind of challenge, this is about fine-tuning some part of us. But it's not even just challenges. Tell me anything you're going through, and I can tell you which part of you you're supposed to be uh, refining or fine-tuning. You know, when somebody says, hey, Michael, guess what? Uh, I'm going back to college. What that tells me is your, your soul is wanting you to work on your mental chakra. To me, your chakras are your states of consciousness within. So that's all that's happening. Your, your soul wants you to work. If you, when you die and go to the other side, nobody asks you what college you went to. They're only asking you, did you get it? Did you learn your lessons? Did you grow? And you say, mm-hmm. well, 
I grew uh, the first and second chakra, but I didn't grow the third one very well. They're not impressed. They just send you back to do it again and have you work on that chakra. You know, so we're here. We're here to become more divine beings. We're here to become the gods and goddesses we're, we're created to be. So when someone says, um, I'm really going through a lot of challenges, a lot of breakup in relations, it tells me your emotional chakra is being worked on. Mm-hmm. When you tell me you have uh, either a health crisis or you're having some health epiphanies like, God, I'm really, you know, doing a lot of yoga, starting to, you know, do a lot of nutrients and taking good care of myself. It tells me root chakra. You know, whether mm-hmm. it's health crisis or health improvement, it's still root chakra. Each okay. of these things. But when somebody says, everything in my life has fallen apart, <laughs> that tells me <laughs> you're going through what's called the heart chakra initiation. Because that's where the dark night of the soul is rooted. It's in the heart soul chakra. And everything looks like it's falling apart. And often, you know, it, it feels that way, too. I mean, it shows up. It, it really does. It really does. It looks like everything's falling apart, which is why, again, the title, you're not going crazy. You're just waking up. It looks like you're crazy. It looks like everything's falling apart. But it isn't. It just looks that way. It's not, what's happening is it's, it's kind of like a tree losing its leaves. You know, nature doesn't call itself the dark night of the soul when it loses its leaves in the fall. When a, a part of a forest has to be burned up with lightning strikes, it burns up. It's actually a part of the, you know, the whole environment. It's the whole ecology. It's the whole way of the world. It's the process. So when we're going through the dark night, stuff is being burned off. Stuff is being, you know, purged away. And that way we made room for a new life. Hmm. So let me ask you, so, you know, I, you hear people say, oh, it's karma. Here we go again. I seem to be doing this again. You get another lesson that's similar, it's bigger. And, you know, it seems like uh, some people resist this. So can you get stuck? You know, so you keep repeating it and you keep, does the dark night of the soul grow in intensity? Does that make, if that makes sense? Can that happen? Well, yeah, the, the, the um, karma is the same as the word lesson, really. You know, what is karma? It's something you're reaping, you have what you have sown. So something has come full circle. Well, lessons come full circle. So what we call bad karma, I mean, good karma is just good we've done coming back. That means lessons that we have learned. And bad karma is obviously negative lessons that we didn't learn, and it's coming back, you know, full circle. So Mm -hmm. karma is just lessons that we need to learn. But some people say, oh, you know, it's the universe, or it's God, or, you know, we don't need to blame the universe, or the planet, or God, or our neighbors, or anybody else. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is take responsibility that it is something my soul apparently wants to work on. Mm-hmm. So, in your, oh, so in your book, You're Not Going Crazy, You're Just Waking Up, which is, huh? like I said, an awesome book. I've read it um, prior. <laughs> you know, fear is a big one. I, I remember reading it and going, oh. And it's funny, your ego will want to grab onto pieces. And I wondered if you could talk about fear and all of this, because fear will want, fear will want to keep, well, wants, wanted to keep me stuck. So I wondered how big of a piece does fear play, and, and what do you do as a healer? How would you address that with, with the listeners? Well, it really, it really depends. It depends on how deep you want to take the topic. Me, me, not you, per se, but the person, you know, at hand, 
how deep does anybody want to take the subject? Because the, the, in the biggest, grandest sense, the ultimate fear is we are separate from God, that we are somehow flawed, that we are not who, what, who or what God created us to be. So that's the ultimate fear, is that we're flawed, that we are somehow, you know, to be shamed or guilty of something. It's, it's the core sense of, of, you know, fear. Um, it's not about phobias, like fear of the dark. It's a, a core-level belief that I'm flawed. Then that mm-hmm. just simply comes and manifests as every other kind of fear. Fear that I'm not lovable by somebody like a partner. Fear that you're going to betray me, you know, and so on and so on. But all the fears on Earth are really nothing but symptoms of the ultimate of deepest fear, which is soul-level fears, not human phobias nor emotional fears. It's a soul-level thing. And, yeah, it's, it's very crippling, and it keeps people, you know, paralyzed emotionally and spiritually from trusting in life. You know, when you go through the dark night of the soul, you'll feel a little bit of what I would call uh, post-trauma. You know, mm-hmm. you're going to be a little shell-shocked because, you know, if, if I am a mom and I had, say, two children and, God forbid, they're killed in an accident, do I think that I'm going to try this again and have children again? That's normal disorientation. It's normal post-trauma. But the universe is saying, if you don't do it now, you can do it in another life. It's okay. We, and, you know, the universe is infinitely patient, but it's saying, but you are meant so, to bounce back. Hmm. So with that um, resistance, like said, often comes up, and that sounds like what you're talking about, you know, your fear and resistance. So, yeah, do you just encourage people to breathe and, and know God is with them and move through all of this? Cause well, of course, you know, there's, it's not one thing, but it's several, you know, some people need to see a life coach, some a counselor, some a hypnotherapist, some a friend, um, some, you know, prayerful with God, anything. I think, I believe in hitting things from all sides. You know, if I mm-hmm. see somebody who comes to me and they're shaken up so bad they can't move forward, I'm going to tell them, okay, let's do a little of this, a little of this, you know, bring all these things in because we need a mm-hmm. spiritual rehab, you know, so we need to work on several areas of your life to get you to bounce back. But, but remember, all of these changes, all of these losses, whether it's a partnership or every area of your life, they're all versions of your own personal crucifixion, which means it's sort of a, a test, a death. Mm-hmm. And what, what the, the symbolism that we learn of in the Bible, whether a person's Christian or not, this is existent before Jesus. Even in ancient Egyptian mythology, the story of Osiris is all about his, you know, one family member betrays him, um, just like Judas, you know, betrays him, and, um, you know, he's, he's killed, and then he's dismembered, and then his, his, all of his body gets put, reassembled, and he resurrects. So it's the same as the story that Jesus ends up embodying later. So believe in one tradition or not, it's already uh, an archetype, a story in human mythology that once upon a time, there's this divine being, it gets killed, destroyed by the ego, by this world, which is every one of us, that is alive spiritually, gets destroyed by this world, and is meant to resurrect, come back. That's why the the pagans celebrate the birth of the sun, you know, meaning uh, the, the point where at Christmas time, the solstice it means the sun's going to start moving back toward their northern hemisphere, those who are celebrating in the northern hemisphere. So it's, it's about the birth of the sun, or the Son of God. It's about the life is coming back, even after 
the darkest time of the year. See, mm-hmm. so it's, we have it in us. Every particle of our being, archetypal mythology, all of it, it's in us. We are meant to bounce back after every crucifixion. Hmm. That's it. very interesting, actually. really has me paused. Um, and just to go back, you, know, you talk about your five stages, to go back for a moment, if I may. Uh, being a nurse, I know five stages from Kathleen Kubler-Ross. And in the medical world, the Western world, their denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. So it's interesting the parallels that you draw in your, you know, with what you've written, the dismantle, the emptiness, disorientation, rebuilding, and new life. To me, they, you know, they're, they're, they're on, no, they equal each other. It's just very interesting. Like I said, I I knew one, I knew one Well, basically, yeah, basically, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, her five stages of grieving um, are really just, you would apply those concepts in just the one concept of the one stage of the five stages of the soul transformation process. In other words, she's not giving a soul transformation. She's only talking about emotional transformation. So what one mm-hmm. would do is go through the five stages written in my book on the soul transformation process. But mm-hmm. when you're in stage two called emptiness, that's a pretty good time to be doing or looking at the um, Kubler-Ross concepts, you know, of, mm-hmm. of grieving, denial, and anger and so on mm-hmm. and um, with that what, what do you think is the most important element of each of the five stages because you just, you just touched on one so I wanted to figure you could go through that what is the they're, most important they're really they're, they're all important I mean every one of them is, has, has to be equally important but probably the trickiest one is the third stage because the first stage again is dismantling something mm-hmm. ends in your life the second stage is emptiness, which is where you're just dropped to the ground. And the third stage is where you're starting to feel compelled to come back to life. You're like, okay, now what do I do? I had a house. I lost a house. Now what? Time to start looking for an apartment. See, it's, it's, that, it's that where you're starting to get up and dust yourself off. But that is the trickiest stage because it's in that stage that you will have to decide, am I so hurt and depressed from the first and second stages that I don't have the will to do anything in the third stage. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to say, well, even if I have the will, I'm afraid of making the wrong decisions because I've made the wrong decisions apparently in the past. I'm afraid of doing it again. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, see, it's, it's, there's all these reasons. And the, the biggest of all is that if you don't go into the fourth stage with God, then you're not going to the fourth stage. Because this whole experience, one of the purposes of the dark night of the soul is to humble us. So if you are not humbled, and you get into the third stage, and you start falling out from the first and second stage, and you say, you know, I think I'm ready to get back on my feet, and you decide how to find a new partner, and you decide how to find a new job, all you're really doing is exercising more of your own ego's will, and you're going to end up right back where you started. So Mm -hmm. you don't get to go to fourth stage and fifth stage. Almost nobody gets there. So let's make that clear. There's five stages, but almost nobody sees the fourth or fifth stage because human beings are addicted to their egos. So they're going to they're going to have a tendency to let the ego step in and guide them, their own willfulness, their own ego, guide them as to how to handle their life when they start coming back together in the third stage. The ego is going to say, oh, I see you're waking up. Well, let me help you out and start to try to manipulate your life. 
the way it used to. We have to learn mm-hmm. to say no, and no again, and no again, and no again, and remain steadfast that I'm not going to do anything without God guiding me. Mm-hmm. And in your own way, shape, and form, you create that connection with God, you breathe that in, and you wait for guidance that'll take you over the bridge that exists between the third and fourth stage until finally you reach the fifth stage as well, which is obviously the new life. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It sounds like, you know, we get, like you said, in the third stage, we, we start to see our way, and then ego starts to run with it. So it's almost like we've got what we need. Exactly. End up, yeah, we, we, fall, we, we fall down. Right. We end up falling down and, you know, scuffing our knees down on our face again. Right. And then, we, again. And then you want to... I'm sorry? Yeah, again, huh? And then you want to blame somebody. Right. And here, we, and here we go. And you're just saying... Well, you're not just. What you're saying is, yeah, hold, hold on. You know, really get it, know it, and... Stay the course. Right, exactly. Hmm. That's powerful. <laughs> That's, it's powerful. I mean, yeah. And um, with that, you know, what role do power and uh, do prayer, excuse me, and spiritual exercises play? I know you touched on that, but you're saying to me, it sounds like you're saying to make prayer, really incorporate prayer in this process, whatever whatever that well, looks like. It's it's important to, you know, to incorporate a relationship with spirit, with God, into our lives. And it's one of the reasons of going through the dark night of the soul. It's because we're learning humility. And so naturally, Mm -hmm. one of the ending results of learning such humility is to learn, like they do in the 12-step program, uh, a a certain amount of dependence on God, you know, to be able to say, you know, I I really don't know. The the wounded me, the codependent me, the single-parent me, and so on and so on doesn't really know my own best interests. So I'm going to ask the Spirit of God to help me, to guide me towards my soul's purpose. I don't want just a job. I want my soul's purpose. But my human self doesn't know how to create a soul's purpose because it's not a soul, per se. It's a density, my body. So I don't want my humanness to decide anything for me anymore. You know, and maybe maybe after this next break, we can... I, I'll explain a little bit of the, the stages of going that direction. That would be great. I know we're heading to a break momentarily, so that would be fantastic. I know I would love to hear more about that, and I'm sure the listeners would as well. So I think on that, we could take a break, and we can pick right up, right back where we left off. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Should there be more to your life? Do you need a change? Transformation for Success with Dr. Barbara Young will provide empowering commentary each week to encourage you. She will interview successful personalities from movies, television, business, technology, health, and academia. All of them have amazing stories resulting in transformed lives. You will learn how to discover real happiness, financial success, and fulfillment to live your highest purpose. Join her on Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Do you ever stop to question yourself? Is there more that you could be doing in your life to help you? 
How can you manifest real change in the world? The answers to these and other questions about ourselves lie in sustainability from within. Featuring host Silvelli Salviato, you can take the either or and change it into both and. If you want to make real changes in yourself, your life, and your world, you can't miss one show. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Sky's the Limit with Karen Levitt. If you have a comment or question about the show, we encourage you to send an email to the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. That's the sky's the limit show at gmail.com. And remember to use the hashtag the gift is the shift all over social media and encourage others to discover the program. Now, back to Karen Levitt. Hi, thank you for uh, joining us. And I'm joined by Michael Meredad, and we were speaking, and we're going to pick right back where we left off and we're going to talk about how one uh, would handle the process that Michael was speaking about. So Michael, let me ask you, going through all of this, this journey doesn't feel good. You don't know who you are. Oftentimes, sometimes there's physical pain accompanied. Um, how does one handle it? It's kind of interesting. I'm not saying this to, to, to sell a particular book or something. I'm saying this because this is the procedure. It's, you know, when I, when I wrote the first book I wrote, it's, it's about the seven initiations. So it's trying to figure that there is a method to the madness, figuring out that there is there are states of consciousness within us, and each of those is getting tested based on different times in our life with different topics. Then I wrote the next refinement of that becomes like the next progression is you're not going crazy, you're just waking up. Meaning, so when you are going through all these tests, like in the first book, all of them described and related to each chakra, when you are going through these tests, what does it look like? And a basic idea of how to deal with it. That's in that crazy book, I call it. <laughs> but the, the next book that I'm writing, that I wrote, is Healing the Heart and Soul. That's what tells you how to deal with the dark night when you're in it. Even, mm-hmm. even to prevent it from coming as often or from being as intense. And so in that book, you hear the technique on how to basically dismantle your problems before they dismantle you. And so that means doing the following. You recognize there's a problem. You don't deny it or minimize it. You accept that it isn't what you think it is, the problem. You know, you can say, well, I, I just lost my job. That's not the problem. The problem is whatever caused you to lose your job. Well, that was my boss. No, the boss is just another symptom. So spiritual people learn to have a relationship, a far deeper relationship with themselves than the average human being. Mm-hmm. Human beings don't know how to be responsible. They don't know how to have a relationship with themselves. All they know is everyone else. I really feel happy because you like me. I really feel sad because you don't like me. Everything is called outer-oriented. But spiritual people learn how to have an inner relationship. Mm-hmm. And so in the second step of this healing, it's, you know, I accept that hidden behind what I think is a problem, there are some deeper issues. And even if I don't know what they are, I can move to step three, four, and five. But if mm-hmm. I happen to know what it is, I track it down, mind you. I say, well, I, I'm angry I lost my job. That's step one. Step two is hidden behind losing my job are some negative feelings like abandonment, 
fear of lack, and maybe anger. Anger, abandonment, fear of lack. And you, you kind of tune into it. You just be spontaneous like that, and you tune into it. Now, mm-hmm. it's important for our human beings to understand what you just named, you think, are the emotions that came from losing your job. And it's the other way around. Those unhealed emotions are already in you, causing you to lose your job. The job is actually just a loss because this is a recycling of a test, a lesson that you either neglected or didn't do as well as you could have. So the lesson, the test has come back. You get to do it again. Not you have to. Not you're dragged through it. We get to go through our lessons or tests that we didn't do quite well on. Otherwise, we would be a fundamental religion saying, you don't get a second chance. You, you were tested, you failed, and now you're going to hell to earn for eternity, you know. And instead, <clears throat> spirituality says, no, no, no. I don't have to go to hell. I'm already in hell. Every time I lose a job, every time I lose a partner, every time I recognize how my addictions have control over me, that is my hell. Mm-hmm. You know, so the first step is to recognize there's a problem. The second, to accept the deeper issues behind it. The third step is to say whatever is causing this, whatever is my problem and the issues behind it, I'm surrendering them all unconditionally to God. And you, you breathe and you do your best just, just to spend a moment feeling, visualizing, affirming that you're giving this all to God. You don't even have to know all the details, but if you do happen to be able to see what they are, great. But if you don't, you just give it all to God anyway. And the third step. Now, once you're done with the surrendering for a moment, you have mm-hmm. done one, two, and three, which is emptying your cup. Step four and five in this process, the soul-level healing process, I call it, step four and five is actually refilling. Just like rebuilding with God, the new life in the crazy book, it's refilling. You refill with the presence of God now. You call God in. You call God in to be your guide, your healer, your teacher. You call God, you know, God in as, as best you can. But, but call it in as a feeling like love and self-worth, peace and joy. Call in the presence of God and breathe it in over and over a couple dozen times. And then, of course, add a visualization. All these steps are in the Healing Your Heart and Soul book. But you visualize a new life. You do all that positive thinking stuff. It's fantastic. And then you give thanks. Mm-hmm. So the final step in this process is giving thanks. Remember to give thanks because it anchors everything into being a reality. So those are the five stages that take you through. So if you're going through the dark night of the soul, it will help you through it more quickly and with less pain. If you are going to go through the dark night of the soul, it could alleviate how intense the tests could come or could alleviate them from having to come at all. Because you just did. Instead of having to be dragged in to the soul surgery, as it were, you already did some preliminary work. Just like people who have come to me, and we do that process. It's one of the things I do in my sessions. When people come to me and we do that kind of work, they find, oh my God, I was about to lose a job, and then something major happened and I didn't lose it because I did this process. Or I had an illness. We did this process. And then I went back to the doctor for them to set up for surgery, and the illness is gone. Why? Mm-hmm. Because you took care of the roots of it in this process. So this process alleviates issues in the soul, which happen to alleviate, we, some of us believe, alleviate things in the material world, the emotional world. Mm-hmm. You know, so people can 
take control of their lives again. And then we all of a sudden find ourselves creating a whole new life. We're not meant, life wasn't meant to be a struggle. We're not meant to be suffering or stagnating. So we find that we're born again when we do these kinds of processes. And when we do, again, our soul's purpose starts to reveal itself to us. Our soul mates start to become apparent. And it doesn't have to be one forever soulmate, but it, your relationships start to feel more like soulmates. Even if you have mm-hmm. five partnerships in the next 20 years, they all will more likely feel healthier. I can't even imagine. You know, I'm not trying to boast myself better than anybody else. I'm only grateful because I've gone through the dark night of the soul at least a few times, like most people do per lifetime. But, you know, not only, not only have I, you know, gone through this, but I can't even imagine in my life, I can't even imagine having less than fulfilling relationships. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine not knowing my soul's purpose. I mean, the idea is kind of, kind of humorous. I can't see myself working at some, you know, typical little shop somewhere. Um, I won't name any names, but the average chain stores, you know, and, and I think it's great that people do. But I'm saying I couldn't picture myself working there, wondering if there's anything in store for me in this life or being so delusional and, and numb that I don't even ask, that I'm just doing mm-hmm. nine-to-five jobs, you know, nine-to-five, and then what do I do? Just date or get married like other people and, and just do it again and again, date another person and another? It, it, wouldn't, it would never settle with me, and it wouldn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. So what I find myself doing is, is having a fulfilling life because I do live and follow these principles that are outlined in those steps we talked about. And, and, and one of the other books I wrote was Creating Fulfilling Relationships. Mm-hmm. You know, why would I write a book on relationships when these other books are about healing issues and so on? Because relationships are one of the most wounded areas, first of all. And secondly, relationships are supposed to be one of the perks of having done good work in our other areas of our life. You know, and people don't realize you're meant to have fulfilling relationships. So, uh, you know, that book outlines how to do that. Right. So, off, you know, through the dark night of the soul, when you do, do all the work and wade through, as I call the mock, and get through it, you actually reach a point to begin to connect with and figure out, like you said, what, what you're doing here, what, what you're meant right. to do here. And well, that's, that's rich. Yeah. Of course. In, in, effect, in fact, the dark night of the soul is trying to purge or burn away all the extraneous stuff that's been clouding. It's kind of like the dark night of the soul would be like the sun trying to burn through a cloud so that it can shine upon you. You know, so you don't live in darkness, obviously. Your crops would never work if you didn't have sunshine. You know, a lot of things wouldn't work. So the dark night of the soul is trying to bring the sunshine through the dark night, meaning the clouded stuff, your, your unhealed wounds. So it is imperative that we learn to do this. And yes, at the end of the tunnel we find a whole new life. We find, you know, like the, the Beatles song, Here Comes the Sun. You know, all of a sudden it's here. Sun, 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 here it comes. It's like, wow, celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. Because the, the dark night is over, and that's what we do on Christmas. Christmas mm-hmm. is supposed to be a, it's a festival that pagans celebrated before Jesus. Jesus' time, and it's celebrating the birth of the sun. Because it's, it's the darkest night of the year. And then, on you know, the winter solstice, it's the darkest night of the year, but 
it starts, the next day starts the birth of the sun where now here comes hope. Now the days become longer gradually. So after the darkest night comes the sun eventually. And mm-hmm. that's the rebirth of us all, for us all. It's our new life, new partnerships, and so on. But most human beings get so beat up by their egos, they don't even know how. They can't even imagine how to believe that there's something in store for them, something else. Because they've, you know, lived in hell for so long. You know, they've gone through abstinence from relationships or a string of terrible relationships. They've gone mm-hmm. through a major health crisis or just ongoing little health issues. They've gone through losing a major job position or constantly losing little jobs. And that's, that's the human condition, and it's not the way God meant it to, meant it to be. So mm-hmm. we need to die of our old selves and be born again to a new self and never settle again. Nice. Yeah, it, it's, it's fantastic. It's been great uh, talking about this, the, great, the dark night of the soul. And I was going to ask if there's one takeaway from our conversation what would you hope the listeners would take away from all of this? Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that there's hope. There's hope. They should definitely know they're not going crazy. They're just waking up. There's hope. And I, I you know, to elaborate on it, I would just go further and say, whatever you're going through, there's hope. But the hope does not automatically come. If you have a winning lottery ticket, the cash will not just manifest in your bank account today. You can have a winning lottery ticket, but you still have to go and cash it. You still mm-hmm. have to show up and do your part. So there's hope, but you still have to do your part. Stay sane. Stay, you know, maintain your integrity. Don't sell out. Your friends that tell you you've got to go date again and they're going to try to drag you to a bar, say no. Your friends that say what you need is another drink, say no. Don't sell out. Connect with God. Connect with yourself. Create a relationship with God. Create a relationship with yourself and have enough love and self-worth that that becomes your mantra. Never settling again. And people that do not honor and support your love and self-worth, say goodbye to them. I'm not saying hate them, just goodbye. They don't serve you anymore. If that's what you need to do, you can ask them to help serve you, you know, help help to support you. But if they say no, then you have your answer. And if Mm -hmm. they say yes, then God bless you all. You know, then your friends help support your new life. It's, It's good to have when they say yes. But if people refuse, then you have new decisions to make. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's hope. Remember that. That's beautiful. Thanks and how can the listeners uh, contact you or follow or, you know, learn more about you? Would you like to share route, your information? Yeah. The easiest route is to go to my website, which is www.grail, like the Holy Grail Productions, G-R-A-I-L productions with an s at the end grailproductions.com and um i think you know there's facebook page and all those kinds of things but you can go to my website there you can buy materials or or read articles for free watch some video clips if you like um there's there's a video website if want people want to go and order videos to watch there's a whole catalog of dozens and dozens of topics from mythology to healing to mastery to spirituality there's, uh, it's called the New Alexandrian Library. So people can go to that, or, or they can look up Michael Murdad's Sacred Services Library. Mm-hmm. You know, they can try all these different routes to find them because there's more than one way. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I also serve as the spiritual leader at Unity of Sedona. So I'm there a couple of weeks per month, and then I'm on tour a couple of weeks per month as well. So folks right. can 
find different ways to connect with me and, you know, if I can help, they can have phone sessions or in-person private sessions or come to workshops or Sunday services or whatever it may be. Great. Uh, you certainly have been a wonderful guest. I want to thank you for sharing. You're very welcome. Really. It's been a blessing. And, thank uh, you so much. I, you're welcome. I, I look forward to having you back when you have the time, if you have the time. Be great. All right. Love thank, to. Yeah. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been an honor and a privilege. Thank you. And, and you're welcome. And I will talk to all of you next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us for The Sky's the Limit. Karen Levitt looks forward to having you tune in for another program next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Remember, the gift is the shift.